Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Man City Show. This is me, Tony Newbrosh, sitting in for our esteemed host, Nigel Rothband. We'll see you soon, Nigel, and we wish you well. So City go marching on with an eighth straight victory, courtesy of a 4-1 comfortable win against the Saints. And with Arsenal dropping points at Anfield, it's officially squeaky bum time. Joining me to review this week's game and to look forward to our Champions League match against Bayern, then Leicester, it's three die-hard True Blues, each no doubt armed with an industrial strength can of WD-40. So welcome to Rob Behrens. Hi, Rob. Hi, good to see you. And you, back by popular demand, I think, it's Steve Cox. Hi, Steve. Hi. And adding a sprinkling our youth to our inverted midfield, it's Joe Doherty. Hi, Joe. Hi, it's uh, you're up, mate. All good tasks. So, Gentlemen, let's start with this weekend's game against the Saints. Just to, uh, you know, get get the old City blue brains working. Just a quick, let's have marks out of 10 for that performance. Rob, how how would you give it out of 10 overall? Well, I would give it, uh, after 45 minutes, I would give it uh, 9 out of 10. I thought it was wonderful. It was a privilege to see. But I didn't expect to see it in the way that City played in the first 40 minutes, which we should not forget. OK. Steve, Mark out yeah, of from you. I, yeah, I have to agree with Rob on that. I think the first half was a little bit lumpy. We were a little bit slow with the ball. We allowed Southampton to get into some kind of rhythm. Um, so I would have given it probably five out of ten for the first half. And then once Haaland scored, I would probably go as far as Rob and say nine out of ten would be quite reasonable. I think the performance definitely upped when we, we got a goal. Yeah, Joe, I think that sort of echoes where I was sort of vaguely heading with this question. Your your overall score, I think it's difficult to average it between the two halves, isn't it? But Yeah, it's a bit of a hard one. I'd give it an eight, personally. We went away from home at, to a team that really aren't going to make things easy for you at the moment when they're fighting for their lives. We kept persevering when we couldn't get a goal. We got the goal and the game changed. I thought we were outstanding second half. Yeah, I'll I'll buy all of that. But I think, Steve, you made the point that first half was a bit lumpy. We seemed to slow it down. Diaz just, he actually stood on the ball and, and stopped for a few seconds. I don't know if he was just trying to invite the Southampton players onto us, but did we? Was it, it wasn't just me who was getting frustrated then, was it? No, I think we got away with one, really. Um, there were a couple of opportunities that, sort of came Southampton's way in the first half and, and it gave them a little bit of spirit and, and, and a bit of a will to do better. And I think, you know, whatever happened, 
to switch or turn the switch on um, with De Bruyne's cross for Haaland kind of stopped that period. And, and Southampton never really looked to threaten again after that. They kind of they, they went back in, in, in a box as such. And I think they tended to realise that at once we score one, we tend to score more than one in most cases. We do tend to kind of open up a little bit because it, it makes the play a bit more open and opens the team up. Until that point, Southampton were to a man... 10, 11 men behind the ball, let's try and nick it, let's break away downfield. And we didn't really look like we were kind of up for it. And then suddenly we were. Well, Rob, echoing those thoughts, you know, the two words that sprung in my mind at halftime were Nottingham Forest. Uh, This was a a vastly different and improved second half. Did you spot any great tactical changes? What what for you changed at halftime? Well, I did see... Uh, something which doesn't happen very often, and that is I thought that De Bruyne had a very poor first half uh, until he came into the game and showed his genius. So the distinction between him in the first half and the second half was very considerable, and uh, that changes City altogether. They become a potent force when he's on song. That's the first thing. The second thing is... I know he's a great player and we love him and so on, but Edison comes close to giving me a heart attack every time he plays. He's dilatory, he's slow. Uh, His distribution is usually very good, but it's very dangerous. And it wasn't only Diaz that stood on the ball, it, it was Edison as well. And that made City look slow and halting. And I do understand they tried to get Southampton to come out. But against another team, that could be fatal. No, it's a fair point. Joe, your overall impressions of that first half and what changed? I mean, just to throw it into the mix, a couple of early substitutions from Pep for once, actually. Was that significant? I think it is. And I think you make quite a good point when you say Nottingham Forest in that a game where you think we should put these to bed, we're creating chances, we're not perhaps that, that clinical. I just think, Getting the goal when we did, right on the stroke of half-time in the first half, just completely changed the mood of the game. And the big difference between this game and the Forest game was, for example, was Haaland. He was absolutely potent in front of goal at Southampton and at Forest. I know it, it is harsh to say when he's been as good as he has been this season, but it was one of his games where it just wasn't, it just wasn't sticking for him. It wasn't going in the back of the net. And really two games where we played similarly attacking football, creating chances. It just makes such a big difference when the striker is doing what he knows we can do rather than what he has been guilty of in the off game, on the in the odd game, sorry, where he's perhaps been a bit wasteful. Obviously completely the opposite. Not only was he scoring goals this game, he scored probably the best goal of the season in my opinion. Well let's come on to that. I mean it was what, forty one minutes was it when he scored? Made a huge difference to the game, didn't it, Rob? That that cometh the moment, cometh the man. That first goal really changed him. It was thrilling. I mean, it is just such a privilege to watch him play. Both goals were acts of genius by a very special footballer. But he couldn't do it without the assists that he gets. And, you know, he is very privileged as well to play in a team with the likes of Grealish. Uh, uh, and De Bruyne. And, you know, that makes it wonderful for us, um, providing that they stay on their game. And uh, that, that uh, for other players, certainly that doesn't happen. Mares had a very um, 
indifferent first half and then played well in the second half. And that's been a feature of City all season. That they're, you know, you, you compare the first half with the second half and it's not the same, it's not consistent. No, fair enough. Well, let's let's carry on with Erling. I mean, I remember the good old days of Raheem Blessing when he was through one-on-one and you had absolute confidence he wouldn't score. And you <laughs> compare and contrast that, don't you, to when that cross came across to Erling Haaland. I had no idea how he was going to put the ball in the back of the net, but I knew he was going to put it in the back of the net and he didn't let us down, did he, Steve? He consistently makes the right decision. I think that's the thing. I think when Sterling has time to think, he quite often does something a bit strange and a bit unusual and, miss, like you say, misses, whereas Haaland seems to react almost instinctively to something, and he knew he could get that before he even went for it. And it, it, it It's a goal that I've seen him score before. I've seen him score that kind of goal before, and, and he is very, very good at it. It was a, a thing of beauty. I mean, I think every single commentator and pundit on Match of the Day, whatever programme you were watching, was just like, oh, my word. <laughs> you know, Shearer probably wouldn't have scored that. I doubt Lineker would have scored it. Very, very good. I mean, he's, a, he's an amazing, he's a phenomenon, that guy. He really is. And when he's on song, we're on song. And the service that he receives from the likes of De Bruyne and Grealish. I mean, Grealish put a perfect cross in for that. That, that really was one hell of a cross. And his game in you know we said it covered it last week and the week before his his game was just elevated in the in recent weeks and he's now actually the, the player we thought we bought yeah i was going you've led on to exactly the next player i wanted to cover joe another goal for grealish another influential game is he as steve said is he now the player we thought and hoped we were getting for 100 million pounds absolutely he is and i think we all we've all seen this before in the pep era haven't we a player that we've signed for a lot of money from another club they maybe take a season, season and a half to really get going. I, I didn't even think he was that bad last season. He just looked a little bit out of place and a bit, maybe a couple of steps behind some of the rest of the players. But I just knew watching him that once it happened, it would happen for him. And, you know, we've seen this so many times with the likes of Bernardo Silva. We've seen it with um, Mares. You know, these players that once it clicks, they never look back. And I'm so happy to see Grealish playing with a real spring in his step and he links up so well with everyone. I was saying last week, actually, that obviously he got the man of the match, but you could have given it to any of that front four. And it, it seems to be like that every week. And he's such a big part of it because he adds, he brings so much to the rest of the team as well as just his individual stats. So no, I, I think he's been absolutely brilliant since the turn of the year. And it, you know, long may it continue. All right. Well, I want to pay tribute to a standout player, Kevin De Bruyne, that was his 100th assist on yeah. Saturday. And that's, that's, and he's done it in the fewest number of games of any player in the Premier League, 237 games. Rob, you said before, you know, what a privilege it was to watch him and to see him cross for Haaland to score. And he was very humble after the game. I mean, he made the point that he was privileged to play with these players who made it easy for him to put it on a plate for them. I mean, how highly do you rate him? Well, he, he is as good as Colin Bell. And I, I don't think you could um, give higher praise than that. And what is so fabulous about De Bruyne is that he uses the ball very quickly every time he gets it. And he seems to know what to do with it in a way that other players don't have the imagination to see. And that creates opportunities 
for our team, which otherwise we wouldn't have. So uh, he is just majestic. And let us remember um, Phil Thompson and Paul Merson saying that they didn't think he was worth signing uh, eight years ago. And Merson said, are City paying lira for him because they thought it was too much? And uh, that is uh, complete nonsense. And it's been absolutely wonderful to see uh, his energy, his application, his ability to score goals as well as make goals. He's the complete player. And no nicer guy as well, we should add. Right, Steve, Kevin De Bruyne, first to 100 assists. Any idea who's second in Premier League history? This one took me by surprise, actually. Uh, Cesc Fabregas. Incorrect. Joe? Well, David Silver, is it? David Silver is down at number five, actually. Rob, would you like to uh, win the star prize? I've got no idea. It's actually... it's actually Eric Cantona, would you believe, who got an assist every 2.79 games, um, which I wasn't expecting. Ryan Giggs, who I think you know most people would uh, hold out as the assist king over his career, he got an assist every 3.9 games. So with no hint of irony, it's good to see him getting a good kicking for one. So uh, all good there. But he's been he's been an astonishing player, hasn't he? So... Full marks to KDB. Here's to his next next hundred. Um, just finally, I thought the one player who perhaps didn't have a great game, and we really praised him last week. I don't know if we put the curse on him. Was was John Stones? Uh, Rob, I don't know. Am I being harsh, or was it just not his game? Well, Stones has transformed City's midfield through Pep's application of uh, overloading the, the the midfield by using a defender, and uh, um, he didn't play particularly well uh, on Saturday, but he still does make a difference, and um, it's a magnificent tactical device. And Stones is a brilliant player. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't underestimate how skillful he is. He is the Barnsley Beckenbauer. And it, it's magnificent to see the way that he was near, he nearly left the club. And he could have gone if he'd wanted to go, but he decided to stay and fight. And when you compare that with uh, the likes of Cancello, for example, I think that is very significant. So he's entitled to an off game now and again, but he, he is an outstanding player for us this season and he has made a difference. Fair enough, Joe. I'd, like, I thought... I'd like, like to add on, at this Steve. point, actually, on, on John. Um, two games ago, when he first played this position, his most popular pass was to either Edison or Rodri or Diaz. Within two games, it's now actually the person he passed to most of the weekend was actually Mahrez, believe it or not. So he, he's kind of moved from being sort of slightly more defensively minded, he's actually gone through that to being more attacking minded. So, and it may be that that's part of the transition we actually saw at the weekend. Um, plus Saints probably would have been watching out for it, unlike Liverpool were the week before. So I, I still thought that he had a reasonable game. I don't think he has, has a bad game, to be honest with you. Fair enough. Joe, Pep was quoted before the match, though, saying Walker couldn't play in his current system. It seemed a little odd. I don't know if the press were just jumping on that, if it was taken out of context. What were your your views on that? Mind games, 100%. Just to try and um, 
I think it was just a case of trying to maybe catch the team off it, off their guard. I, I mean, we do we have been known in our time to if Pep makes a bit of a strange tactical decision and he gets it wrong, I think we've been known to perhaps jump on him a bit. But that we don't mention all the times he does something a bit different like this with John Stones making him play a bit further forward, and it does work. And like Steve said, it's it's making a difference as we play it now. Like he's. He was being a lot more conservative, and now he's got he's bring he's bringing an extra element to his game and bringing more attack-minded players into the game. So I think that I don't think there was anything to worry about with that. I think it was taken a bit out of context, or it was probably mind games. Okay, so here we are, eight wins on the trot. Um, one player who sort of snuck under the radar, in my humble opinion, is Diaz. I don't know exactly when he came back, but I don't think it's a coincidence that this run has coincided with his return to the team and return to form. Fair comment, Rob? It's absolutely a fair comment. And it's a reason for not looking at Twitter because the nonsense on Twitter about Diaz not being good enough when he was not playing uh, is just shown to be complete and absolute rubbish. He is probably the best central defender in the Premier League uh, and and wider than that in Europe. And he gives an authority to, to uh, the defence, which it hasn't always had this season. And again, Joe mentions the astuteness of the coach. The coach has preferred Akanji to Laporte, which is very interesting and quite controversial, but it has worked. You can't you can't say against it, given the performances that has led to eight straight victories. So I take my hat off to Pep and also to Diaz. Yeah, all right, listen, final thought on that. You mentioned Laporte there. I'd, I'd be very sorry to see him go. I think, as we said with John Stones, you know, he's he's good enough for that team. It would be a shame if he leaves, but clearly he's not going to spend the rest of his career sat on the bench. Steve, do you think it's inevitable he goes? Um, if he doesn't get a lot more playing time, probably. Um, I think at the moment, our best back four was the back four that's been on the pitch for the last two weeks. And and I think that if Laporte's going to do anything about it, he needs to force his way into that team. But I, I can't see him doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. Akanji is playing in a very assured manner. He's a very calm player. He seems to make the tackle at the right time. He seems to respond very well to having Diaz next to him and, and Ake alongside him. And, and I, I really can't see um, Laporte forcing his way back in. And, and I feel sorry for Laporte, really, because a couple of years ago, you, you couldn't have seen that or envisaged that actually happening. You know, he was pretty much one of our best players on the pitch and, and an absolute definite starter. But at the end of the day, the team has to move forward. And, you know, they've just got to have the right players on the pitch. And I think we have at the moment. Okay, so we did our bit on Saturday. Come Sunday, and look, you know, we are football fans. I know we're primarily City fans, but I have to say, Liverpool Arsenal. It was, it was a great game. Arsenal cruising two 0 up at half time. The Arsenal fans are chanting, "We're going to win the league." Drop two points, and it's game on again, isn't it, Joe? Absolutely, and I, I said um, going into this month that. We both obviously had a massive game against Liverpool before the real big one against each other. And the fact of the matter is, the fact that Liverpool had to come to ours and Arsenal had to go to Anfield, to me, makes such a huge difference. Because I wasn't really... I was pretty optimistic we'd beat Liverpool last week. 
And I was pretty optimistic Arsenal would drop points. Obviously, they go 2 0 up. You're thinking, oh, oh no, you know, this, they really are the real deal. But dropping those points is promising, both obviously as an isolated game because they've dropped points, we're back in, the, you know, back in our hands. But also the psychological effect that's going to have on some of their players, knowing that, that they were about, they had a very good opportunity to win. I'd say, I'd still say Liverpool away is one of the hardest away games in Britain. You know, we, we always struggle there. Mm. And I think that, you know, there's a good chance that could really go to their heads and it could boost us a bit. And I I see us going on a, a run more likely than them. We have more experience in this sort of, in this sort of uh, title race, crunch time, as it were. And they've got to come to our place. And we've already absolutely schooled them at theirs. So no, I think that, that result, could be the one that wins us the title. Obviously, we've got a lot of games to play in a short space of time, and we might have to, we might see a couple of points dropped if we maybe have to sacrifice the odd game because of the Champions League. But personally, I think that game is going to be a huge turning point. I think we're going to, I think, I think we'll probably go on and do it now. Mm, unlucky to get a point in the end, you might argue, but Grace Note have us 56% favourites for the league now, Arsenal. 44%. Rob, uh, you know, we're still six points behind them. And if they get a result at our place, they're in the driving seat. Do you, do you think that's fair? Yeah, it's, it's death or glory now. Uh, every game counts. And, you know, when we talk about Laporte, he is one injury away from becoming a an indispensable player again. So I, I have a couple of comments about the Liverpool-Arsenal game. One is that... Uh, Zinchenko was in tears uh, because he saw, I mean, he, he was unfortunately at fault uh, uh, with, the, with the second goal. But um, it was a big psychological blow for them. And I don't think that that will easily go away very quickly. The other thing is that as long as Xhaka is around, there's always likely to be a bust-up and an explosion. And that's what brought Liverpool back into the game because he he had handbags with um, uh, Alexander, Trent Alexander, whatever his name is. Um, And if they'd only just kept their their heads, they could have won that game very easily. At the end of the day, Arsenal will be celebrating the fact that they got a point because Salah missed a penalty for heaven's sake and also... Uh, Canate missed an easy chance right at the end of the game. So Arsenal were lucky and a point could be important, but it should give us confidence that we can go forward without being overconfident because I'd prefer to be six points ahead at this stage. Although I remember at Easter in 2012, we were eight points behind United uh, and we still got there in the end. We did. Steve, did you see any of the weaknesses in Arsenal that, that Pep will be rubbing his hands with Glee about and looking to exploit in a few weeks? I, I think I think there's a lot of naivety there, to be fair, and I think that that, that was what caused it. They're still a fairly young team, um, the exception of uh, Xhaka. I think Rob's absolutely right to point that out. Um, that was his fault for riling Liverpool. And actually, once Liverpool get their backs up, once you get the crowd behind them, they are very difficult to beat at Anfield. Um, I actually think that Pep's already seen some of the weaknesses in Arsenal because he exploited it when we beat them at their place. As Joe said, we, we scored them there. And, and I think that he will do the same again 
at the Etihad. I, I actually see that game as being relatively not not easy for us. No game is actually easy for us, but that was a game I'd always thought of the two games. There was a chance that Arsenal might get something out of Liverpool, and that we would still potentially beat them at our place. And I, I always thought that it would perhaps go that way. I, I was quite pleased to see that um, they only got a point out of it. And as Rob says, they were quite lucky to get one, to be fair. Um, I, no, I think Arsenal are probably just a little bit naive. They probably need another year and they might be mature enough to really, really give someone an absolute running for, for the title. And, and I think their naivety is the bit that they're going to suffer for. And I, I suspect that that may have knocked the wind out of their sails this weekend. Okay, well, you know, this isn't just a podcast. I like to think about this as, as as therapy as well. And with with sadly no Nigel here, we are allowed to talk about broader issues and VAR. So, so Rob, I'm going to give you a chance now. Anything you want to get off your chest? Yeah, it's a public disgrace what happened this weekend. Uh, VAR was brought in to take away um, the, the, the possibility that officials would make mistakes and no one predicted how the Nobel Prize for Incompetence should be given to those handling VAR, where, yes, uh, was it yesterday, when, whenever it was, Brighton might have had three penalties, none of which were acknowledged by VAR, and the third one was an absolutely stone-cold penalty. And that is cheating by the system against Brighton, who... who who lost three points because of it, and that shouldn't have happened. And just apologising, uh, as as the referees do, is not good enough. Um, it, you know, it, it attacks the professional integrity of the game, and it's very disappointing to see. Yeah, not just that. They had two goals disallowed as well, didn't they? The first one for handball, when I thought we were on the T-shirt line these days, and it seemed yeah. to hit him up there, and I couldn't see how you could could say definitively that was handball. So, Steve, Joe, anything you'd like to get off your chest before we uh, move on? It's shocking, isn't it? Go on, Joe. I'm sorry, I think VAR really shouldn't have been, should have been brought in to as something that's only used a handful of times a season to stop the disgraceful decisions that they've been in the past, like the Maradonas, the Thierry Henry handballs, etc., it feels like it's become too much a part of the game and that everything has to be cross-checked. And it's really frustrating for supporters who are trying to, you know, especially at the match when it's when it kind of robs the emotion at the moment. But as Rob said, if, they, if they're going to do that, at least get it right. You know, at least get these decisions right. And those ones at Brighton were an absolute joke. How, how can you use this thing that you're going to use about five times a game to double check if someone's toenail is on side, but you can't get something basic like that right. If if if, if it's going to cause more problems than it solves, you know that that's it for me. You, you you get rid. All right. Well, you know what, boys. I think we'll have a lie down for a couple of minutes and uh, <laughs> hope you're feeling a bit better for that. So we'll take a break, and in the second half, we'll look forward to uh, Bayern Leicester. Right, welcome back to the Man City Show. So much to look forward to this week. The Champions League is back and we've got a pretty tough fixture against the leaders of the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich. Rob, feeling confident? 
Well, I'm excited, and I think it's the biggest game of the season. And there are so many imponderables about the game that it's just going to be delicious. So uh, the fact that two of our ex-players are coming back, Sane, who was just a joy to behold, Cancelo, who is not a joy to behold, but could be, you know, he could be difficult. Uh, even Mane has the possibility of playing, uh, and and Thomas Tuchel. So this is going to be very challenging. And if we're not absolutely at it from the word go, uh, then it might be difficult. But the key thing is either to win or still be in the game at the end of 90 minutes. It's about 180 minutes. It's not about just what happens tomorrow night. So, all right. Let's pick up on a couple of those points that, that Rob's mentioned. Cancelo's coming back. Steve, any idea why on earth he's allowed to play, first of all? And what, what sort of reception do you think he'll get if he does play? I guess those are the rules. As far as the um, UEFA are concerned, they do allow people to uh, play for one team and then play for another team later in the season. So we can't really argue with that. Um, whether I agree or disagree with that, it's neither here nor there. I don't think he probably should be allowed to play against us, but... Because, you, you know, you, you could end up with that. Um, if he makes a mistake, the, the potential accusations come back. Or, well, you know, he's a City player. So, therefore, you know, that could taint something. Um, I, I honestly don't think he'll actually play against us, to be fair. He's not really been playing much um, in the last month there. Um, he's getting as fed up there as he was at City. Whether Tuchel coming in changes that or not, I don't know, because I don't think there have been enough games with Tuchel in charge to really get the gist of, of, of how he hangs. Um, I suspect Tuchel is probably the one that I worry about the most because he did a bit of a number on us a couple of times as a Chelsea manager. So hopefully we're a bit wiser to that this time round and, and, and we approach it in a slightly different manner. But I think we really need to put a marker down tomorrow so that the um, second leg actually becomes academic. Because I, I take Rob's point, you know, you've, you've got to be there in the game for that second that second uh, leg. If you can actually put a marker down where, you, you know, you, you get a decent victory and, and actually put it beyond Munich's capability to come back, then, then actually that's even a, a better thing to do, to be fair. Joe, do you buy this Thomas Tuchel being Pep's nemesis? Uh, I I don't, to be honest. I feel Good. that when he, the times he beat us as Chelsea manager, one of them was a cup game that we kind of, I think Pep was kind of happy to sacrifice that cup with the team he put out. One of them was a complete dead rubber where, okay, it would have tied the league up that day, but we were always going to win it. And then that final, I you know, hats off to Chelsea, fair play, they deserve to win. But I think we did that more to ourselves than to Kelted to Pet. So I, I, I'm not too sure that's going to be an issue. And especially at the moment, he's still very new to the club. So even if it was him being an absolute genius at Chelsea, he'd had a year to, you know, to get the team playing how he wanted them to. And at this point, he, he's had a couple of weeks. So I'm not too sure. I, I just think we're facing one of the best sides in Europe. We've come, we come up against the, you know, they've got an attack with a lot of pace who know how to play against us. You know, obviously one of them used to play for us himself. One of them always used to do a number on Mane, I'd say, is someone who's more likely to be the nemesis, actually. He always scored against us. 
Um, and I just think we just got to be right on our game. Got to make sure we keep the ball. Don't let them, you know, don't let them counter. Don't let them press. And I think we could do this. I mean, you got you got to remember as well. Bayern this season haven't been the absolute indisputed kings of Germany that they have been of the last ten years. You know, it's a very close title race there as well. It certainly is. So, Rob, are you expecting to see any changes to the lineup on on Tuesday night? Well, what do I know? But uh, I, I actually hope not. I don't see uh, at the moment that uh, the team from the weekend should change. Um, and I would go with it again. Stu, well, OK. Steve, any, are you going to make the case for uh, Walker to come back in? No, <laughs> fair enough. No, I think I think I think the the well, you could make a case for Walker being a decent potent weapon against Sane potentially, um, but should we be focusing on how they're going to play, or should we be picking the team to focus on how we want to play? And actually, I think at the moment we should be focusing on picking the team for how we want to play. And for me, that's got to be in a similar manner to what we've played in the last two weeks. So I can't really see much of a case for changing the team at all. Joe, your thoughts on the team tactics formation? No, I, I think I think they're both, I think both Steve and Rob are absolutely right. Um, we we are need to be treating every game exactly as that, as if we're going to run the game and play the way we want to. Really, it's we shouldn't be playing. We shouldn't be looking at anyone thinking. We fear that team so much. We need to adapt our game to face them. I think we play the way we want to play and we do it correctly. We don't make any mistakes. There aren't many teams in the world that are going to match us and beat us at the moment. Yeah, and it's a pretty daunting task to try and win this trophy this year, isn't it? If we get past Bayern, it's in all likelihood going to be Real Madrid. And we all know, what, four times we had a two-goal lead against them last year and threw it away. Rob, how hard is this competition to win? And are you are you confident this could be our year? Well, uh, I, I'm very hopeful and determined that it's going to be our year. And we're as good as any team uh, in the competition and objectively much better than Real Madrid, though they have to beat Chelsea. Uh, it would be the ultimate triumph for Pep to win the Champions League. And if we don't do it this year, uh, we won't have many better chances. So, uh, you know, it depends on consistency and seizing, seizing the chances that will be there and how thrilling it is to have Haaland uh, there and Alvarez available and Grealish on form. You know, it hasn't been much better than this for a very long time. So it is exciting and really possible. Steve, you were I quietly confident it, yeah. there? Yeah, I, look, if we, there's no doubt in the games against Madrid last year, if we'd have had Haaland, we would have been out of sight by the time that second leg even came around because Haaland would have absolutely filled his boots in the first, in the first leg. Um, so I think that gives me an awful lot of positivity. The one team that I actually fear that's left in the Champions League now actually is more Napoli than anything else because they're a bit more of an unknown quantity to us than the other teams. The others actually are all a relatively known quantity. So thankfully, Napoli are on the other side of the draw to us. Um, 
I actually think we we at least know how Munich will probably play. We know how Real Madrid will probably play should we get past Munich. Um, so I think we stand a really good chance of getting to the final. If we get to the final, we stand a bloody good chance of winning it, I'll be honest with you. And I think this year, as Rob says, more than any other year, we've got a lot of players hitting form at exactly the right moment. It's, it's a shame that we haven't got the likes of Phil Foden available and won't have the likes of Phil Foden available until very late in the day for that competition. But other than that, we don't really have that many injury worries. So I think we're, we're moving along very nicely at the minute, I think. Yeah, Joe, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? We've had a few injuries earlier in the season. You might argue that's given a few players a bit of a break. You know, Stones was out for a while. Diaz has been out for a while. You know, last year we, we, we had one fit centre-half left towards the end of the season, I think it was. So, Joe, how concerned are you about fatigue in our running compared to Arsenal? I think that I don't think we've really got that much right to to be concerned about fatigue, and certainly not compared to Arsenal. I think our squad depth, and we've been saying this for years, which is why we've you know we've come up against in title races some first elevens like Liverpool's, who are great footballing sides. But at the end of the day, our squad depth's always kind of seen us over the line. And it's so good, especially, and it it was confirmed in my mind last week with that Liverpool game that if we're not playing Haaland, Alvarez isn't, you know, he's not a, who'd be an example? He's not a, um, um, I'm trying to think, we've all, we've had backup strikers who could maybe get 10. I'd say, you know, I think he's better than Jesus, for example. You'd only rely on Jesus to maybe get your 10. 15 goals a season. As a footballer, I thought Jesus was excellent, by the way. I just think sometimes he's, he wasn't going to score enough goals if Aguero was out, for example. But in Alvarez, we have someone who would walk into every other side in the Premier League. And it's so reassuring to know that if Harlem was being rested, for example, we've got someone who's more than capable of stepping up and, and filling, the, filling the space. You look at, say, Arsenal, if Saka's out, Really, do they have anyone who could fill that role? I'm not too sure. Okay, well, let's have your predictions for... uh, Let's just keep it for the first leg then. Rob? Goodness me, I always tell Mr Rothman that I don't make predictions, but because you're there, I think we're going to win 3-1. Yeah, it's a new regime now, Rob. Steve? (laughs) Yeah, I'd, I'd already thought 3-1 as well as Rob. So I'm certain that Bayern will score, but I know we'll outscore them. Joe? I'll go 2-1. 2 OK, keeping it tight. Well, looking forward, I think, we, I think we can all say to that one. And then, so barely time to pause for breath, we've got Leicester City. I think it's the uh, 5... Is it 5.30 again next Saturday yeah. game? Yeah. OK, so they're struggling. And a bit of a warning for any team. You know, they won the league. When was it? 2016, I think it was. And now it's taken them a few years, but it's been a steady decline, hasn't it? Surely three easy points. Go on, Joe. Yeah. I, 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 there are certain teams that we're playing in this run in who are fighting for their lives. Where Everton away, for example, where I do really worry about those games and how we're going to approach them. I... I think we'll beat Leicester very comfortably at the weekend. It's I rarely predict. I, I I will usually, even if we're playing someone I'm pretty confident will smash. I'll always say three nil, kind of out of respect. But I really think Leicester will 
looking at more than that, to be honest. So absolutely no excuses not to turn them over on Saturday, really. I'm sure Vardy may chip in with one, but we'll see. Rob, since we're, you know, being looking at the broader picture today in uh, in Nigel's absence, what's all this nonsense with interim managers that everyone's appointing at the moment? Where did this suddenly come from? Well, indeed. And um, long may it continue if it, uh, if it means uh, that Leicester... Uh, contemplated appointing Marsh as uh, as their manager, and uh, although Roy Hodgson has done okay, but look, the the point is that City have underperformed against Everton at home, Nottingham Forest. So there's no reason to assume that this is going to be an easy game. And if we think it's going to be an easy game, it won't be. And uh, I just one one player we haven't mentioned. Uh, today, who's been absolutely wonderful the whole season, is Rodrigo. I mean, he he has transformed our transitions and our defence in a way that uh, Fernandinho did, but he's just as good as Fernandinho. And if you can count on that kind of quality in games against Leicester, then, then we should be confident. Uh, but it, it's no... We can't take it for granted we're going to to win this game, otherwise we'll be in trouble. No, that's that's fair enough. But Steve, surely, surely this is a home banker. <laughs> yeah, against a team that's just appointed an interim manager. So they, they, they may get a bit of new manager bounce, you never know. We really ought to have more than enough to beat them at home. Um, I agree with Rob. There are occasions when we do flunk it, but I can't see how we're going to flunk this one. Um, interestingly, Rodri and Stone share pretty much the same passing accuracy. I was reading an article at the weekend, both about 94% accuracy, which is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So we end with all of us confident of three points on Saturday. That must be a first, but, but we'll take that. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you to you guys for joining me. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Rob. And thank you to all of you for listening. Enjoy the next couple of games. I'm sure it's going to be fun. Thanks now. Bye-bye, everyone. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.